I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, I'm Jonah. And I'm here to tell you about my extraordinary life. Before anything else, though, don't forget to subscribe. Give this video a thumbs up and hit that notification bell icon to show your support for me. I found out about my powers by accident. If it wasn't for my best friend Herb, I wouldn't have known I sleepwalked. And if he hadn't recorded me doing the things I did, I'd have lived my whole life never knowing. Herb invited me over to his place one night. It was nothing special. Just a sleepover after spending the whole weekend gaming and partying while his parents were out. Herb and I had been friends for a long time, but we never spent the night at each other's houses before. So it was both exciting and kind of awkward. What made it strange was when I woke up in the middle of the night with my best friend in panic. Jonah! Jonah, wake up! Wake up or I'm going to throw this bucket at you! It was a strange sensation. I knew I was asleep, but I could hear him. And more strangely, I could feel what he said. I willed myself awake from my sleep. But as soon as I blinked my eyes open, I realized it was too late. I saw a bucket full of water floating in the air as if it was in slow motion. And in a split second, before I could even blink, I was doused in cold, shudder-inducing water. What'd you do that for? Look! Look what you're doing! Look around you! And so, I did. The first thing I noticed was that I was standing in the middle of my friend's bedroom. How did that happen? I could swear I was asleep not two seconds ago. Why would I be up and about? The second thing I noticed was stranger still. Behind me was a fully grown, impressive stag. Its antlers were so large, they grazed the ceiling. And on its antlers were perched an owl, a crow, and a few other birds I struggled to name. There was a snake dangling from Herb's floor lamp. Stop it! Make it stop! I stood there, frozen. What did he mean, make it stop? Did I cause this? But I hardly had time to answer my own questions as I saw the snake slithering towards me. And then, the massive stag followed suit. The owl and the other birds began to flap their wings. The shock and the fear of the moment overtook me. All I remember was that the room got dark. 
and I remembered falling to the floor, losing consciousness. As soon as I plunged into unconsciousness, it was like I'd gone to a different dimension. Once again, I could feel everything that happened around my unconscious body. I realized the animals weren't trying to attack me, they were just annoyed. Why'd you call us here? They seemed to all ask. Meanwhile, Herb had the most intense emotions of them all. I could feel him cowering and crying in the corner of the room. His heart was about to burst with fear. In that otherworldly dimension, I apologized to the animals and politely asked them to leave. That was when I woke up again. This time, I found myself standing by the open window. I saw Herb still in the corner, wildly brandishing a baseball bat at nothing with his eyes closed. <laughs> what just happened? Herb told me all he saw. He saw me sleepwalking, and the moment I got up, weird sounds began to happen outside of his room. And then, the birds came swooping in through the open window. The stag broke down the front door and kicked the bedroom door open. That was when the rest of the animals followed it in. He told me my sleepwalking must have had something to do with it, because as soon as I collapsed and began sleepwalking again, the animals did what I wanted. We put that theory to a test. That same night, we barricaded the house and waited till I fell asleep again. And I found out he was right. When I sleepwalked, I felt exactly the feelings Herb and I agreed he should feel, so we confirmed our experiment. It turned out I had powers that only activated when I would sleepwalk. I could hear what animals and humans felt. Sounds like a mostly useless and inconvenient power, right? But hey, it's coming handy. Because I later found out that not only could I hear their emotions, I could also communicate with them telepathically. So, in some cases, I could get animals to do what I ask. If I asked nicely. The only catch was, and it was a very specific catch, I had to be asleep and sleepwalking. Weeks later, I also found out that my power had another dimension. It gave my brain the ability to absorb any knowledge by power of osmosis when I was sleeping. So, I began to put my school books and research material under my pillow. And in the morning, I would know all I needed to know to crush at school. Finally, something useful, I thought. I had always just been skating by at school. My school was pretty much a school for geniuses, and I was the only one who was average. But thanks to my powers, my grades improved. And although my IQ level stayed the same, by the end of the school year, I had the best grades among all of them. You're perfect. Too perfect that a lot of other students began to complain and demanded that the school investigate whether or not I was cheating. They tried every possible setup to find out if I was. They made me take tests in a windowless room by myself, with my phone confiscated after being thoroughly searched. They even installed CCTV cameras so they could watch me from every angle. I finished the exam within 10 minutes and got a perfect score. The previous girl who was at the top of the class, Tiana, was furious that I'd unseated her. Clearly, he's doing some kind of cheating. The guy has an IQ of 98. I don't even understand why he's allowed to be at this school. Then, another student who had been watching the results with the rest of the crowd stepped up. I think it's pretty cool. He may have an average IQ, but he's clearly beating you. She was beautiful. Her name was Cheyenne, and I knew that because she sat next to me in chemistry. I always had the biggest crush on her, and when she spoke up for me, my crush on her only grew. Tiana was not amused. Ugh, he's stupid and you should know that. Or are you all just as stupid as him? 
Ugh! I hate this freaking school. I swear, my father will hear about this. She stamped out of the room in a fit. She threw a tantrum all the way out of the school, pushing anyone and anything that got in her way. The teachers got the brunt of her fury. She even threatened to have them all fired if they couldn't prove that I was cheating my grades. But the school year came and went, and nobody was able to prove anything. If they found out I was winning through magic, nobody would believe it anyway. The good thing that came out of all that fuss was that Tiana was expelled. I would have felt bad for her, but she'd always picked on me for having a lower IQ than everyone else. She would always humiliate me and say horrible things about me to our teachers. So when my crush finally reported her for blackmailing the teachers and telling them to suspend me, the school decided she had caused enough trouble. And, yeah, her father did hear about her antics in the end. Let's just say he was not pleased with them at all. He sent her away. Now, Tiana lives with her aunt in a remote farm in Greenland where she gets to spend her days staring at snow. I thought that was the end of my troubles. Until one evening, just before graduation, I found Cheyenne in the trunk of my car. I'd just gotten home from doing a grocery run and was about to grab the paper bags when I found her there in the fetal position between the milk and a bunch of lettuce. What? What are you... What are you doing here? Cheyenne put a finger on her lips and told me to shut up. You have to help me. Please. Please, you have to hide me. When someone you know, especially if it's someone you like a lot, asks for your help, you help them and ask questions later. So I hopped back into the driver's seat, drove into my garage where no one could see us, and I shut the garage doors before I opened my trunk again. Thank you. You have no idea. You've saved me. Cheyenne began to tell me that she was a spy, that she was in hiding, and that was why she was posing as a regular student. But the people who were after her had finally caught up to her. Before she could even tell me more, I heard tires screeching outside my house. I peeked through a hole in the garage door to see what was happening, and outside there were a bunch of women all dressed in black. We ran. I knew that neighborhood like the back of my hand, so I ran through the secret alleys and passageways with Cheyenne in tow. Even with their cars, they couldn't possibly catch us, but a few of them went on foot. We finally reached the nearby train station, and we jumped through the barriers, and we just made it a mere millisecond before the doors closed. The train was packed. We looked back to see a bunch of women in black talking to their earpieces, likely informing their bosses that we'd escaped them. Cheyenne and I thought we'd made it, but I barely had time to ask her about what's happening when our train stopped again. We looked out, and in the darkness, I saw people surrounding the train. Who were they? Why were they after her? And how did they have the ability to stop the train as they pleased? I never did find out the answers. At that moment, I noticed a barn in the distance. I registered that we were near a farm, and so I thought, if my powers were to ever be useful, that was the time. I turned to Cheyenne. Make me sleep. Right now. What? What do you mean? You want me to sing you a lullaby or something? Why? No, no, you don't understand. You have to knock me out cold. Right now. When I woke up, I was on a horse with Cheyenne clutching me from behind. I didn't see anything that happened, but Cheyenne told me. As soon as I was out cold, I got back up again. She heard horses neighing and galloping. Cows stampeded towards the drain and crowded around us. We got on a horse and the cows attacked the women in black and served as our defense as we escaped. We live in a remote island now. Cheyenne still hasn't told me who those people were, 
I spend my days talking to animals and helping out local farmers. And everyone thinks I'm crazy. But hey, Cheyenne and I are happy. It was an ordinary day when I met Priya. The kind of day you wouldn't expect something extraordinary to happen. My name's Zane, and I was rushing to work when I saw an old lady crossing the street. She was having a hard time. Cars were zooming past, ignoring the fact that the old lady was trying to cross. There was no crosswalk, but the sign says that cars should give way to pedestrians. Only, nobody was. So, even though I was already running late, I stopped to help her. I took her hand and I bravely stepped out onto the street, making every car stop as we crossed the street. And when we finally made it to the other side, I felt her grip my hand tightly. Thank you, kind sir. I looked down, and I finally got a look at her face. And what I saw surprised me. She was no old lady at all. She was dressed like one, as if in a disguise. But under all those clothes, she was a beautiful young lady. Probably the most gorgeous girl I had ever seen. I didn't even notice that her hands were so delicate and soft, without a single wrinkle on them at all. She smiled up at me and I felt myself blush. I'd never had a girl look at me like that before. Please. I need your help. I found myself saying something I never thought I would. Not on a day when my manager was supposed to do my evaluation. How can I help? I need you to hide me. People are after me. Take me to your house. Please, hide me! I saw the panic in her eyes, heard the helplessness in her voice, and I knew then and there I had no choice. I had to. I held her hand the whole time, and I traced my steps back to where my day started. I showed her into my small apartment, and that was where she told me everything. I gave her some food and drinks, and she devoured all of it in minutes. She smiled at me cutely, her eyes wide and grateful. I'm sorry. I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. Priya told me everything. She was a princess, and when her father passed, the crown was supposed to go to her. Unfortunately, some cunning evil cousins were after the crown too, and because of their greed, they were prepared to do anything to get the crown. She was driven out of her home by these cousins, and now they were after her. She was living in a safe house with her security detail and the most loyal of her subjects. But when she least expected it, the cousins sent agents to capture her. There was a huge fight and she was separated from the people who were protecting her. In desperation, Priya fled on some fisherman's boat, and that was how she ended up so far away from home. My mind reeled. First of all, it was shocking enough to find out that a princess was sitting on my tiny couch in my messy flat, and to find out that she was embroiled in such a bizarre, larger-than-life struggle was honestly mind-blowing. I knew I needed to help her. I knew I had to do something. Suddenly, my job, my life, and my annual evaluation seemed inconsequential compared to her problems. So in the next few days... I did all I could to get her back in touch with her people. I googled and I asked as many friends as I could if they could help, all while keeping it hush-hush, of course. I didn't want to attract any unwanted attention, in case her cousins found out where she was. I let Priya live with me. 
was such an awkward situation. I couldn't afford to put her up at a hotel, and she didn't want to anyway, because being in public places scares her. So she stayed at my tiny one-bedroom, and the strangest part of it is that I still had to work and live my life. She was often there alone. During those days, I noticed changes in my house. She would arrange things, clean them, and whenever I got home, there would be dinner waiting for me. She would serve me piping hot dishes that warmed my heart. I honestly didn't know how to feel or think. Here she was, a princess who probably had hundreds of maids, and she was serving me. She was looking after me, like she was some housewife who suddenly entered my dull, boring life. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. She was beautiful, and she was kind, and very interesting. It just all seemed so... surreal. After a few weeks of nothing, and having a princess living with me, I finally got a lead. Somehow, I managed to get in contact with one of her old supporters. He told me the same story she did. He said they were all safe and that they had transferred to a different safe house, and that they had been trying to look for Priya for months now. I got home that night and shared the good news with her. She jumped up in pure joy and kissed me on the cheek. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Zane. You don't know how happy this makes me. You saved my life. And now you've done it again. I can't believe this. I don't know how I would be able to repay you. We must go to them at once. And so, we did. The guy I contacted was called Gregory, one of her uncles, and he sent me coordinates for where to meet. It had to be completely secret. So, he flew over in the middle of the night and under a disguise. We met at a corner of some park, and I told him that Priya was safe in my apartment. We walked together, taking random U-turns and making detours everywhere just to make sure we weren't being followed. And when we finally got to my place, Priya hugged the man. She had tears in her eyes. I'm so, so glad to see you again, Uncle Gregory. I thought you had all been captured. Gregory smiled and winked at me. Just then, a knock came at the door. My heart stopped. Who could that be at this time of night? And then, before either of us could react, Gregory strode to the door and opened it. Priya screamed. There, at my door, were two girls, and they had the most evil grins on their faces. Good to see you again, cousin. Oh, and who's this? You didn't tell us you'd found yourself a handsome, strapping lad. I guess now that you won't be queen, I can have him. Not before I take him for myself. We were ever so hurt when you skipped town. Oh, I'm so glad Uncle Greg found you for us. Priya turned to her uncle with tears in her eyes. You. It was you. Yes. Of course. I was the one who told them about our safe house, too. You still hadn't figured that out? <laughs> my, my. You really don't deserve the throne. Did you really think I would just let go of the fact that your father humiliated me and my family when he stripped us of that title? Oh, for a tiny tax mishap? 
You stole three million dollars from the treasury, and I still let you back into the fold. Well, now it's your turn to be punished. Hmm, princess. I knew it was my only window. I had to act fast, or her life will be in danger once more. I had grown attached to Priya, so I did the only thing I can do. I kicked my chairs at them and I grabbed Priya and carried her. I ran as fast as I could. There were men outside the house. Scary men. Luckily, I was very light on my feet and used to dodging people as a waiter. So, I got out of there with no trouble at all. I went on a loop and ended up going through the back gate of my apartment. I hid with Priya in the shed where I kept my old stuff. I figured they would never find us if we hid in the house we just escaped from. And I was right. They were gone in minutes. I packed my bags and made sure I got some blankets. I broke my piggy bank and took every single dollar out. I called my boss as we ran in the cover of darkness for the harbor. What do you mean you can't make it tomorrow? You've missed three workdays this month, Zane! And you missed your own annual evaluation! If you don't show, you're fired! That's fine, boss. I'm saving a literal princess's life at the moment, so I think that Trump's working for you. When we finally reached the harbor, we stayed in one of the boats, wrapped in blankets, until finally, at around four in the morning, the fishermen came in. I offered all the money I had, just for them to take us to Priya's country. It was a long journey, but when I told them our story, they offered to do it for free. And so, I snuck Priya back to her land, and once there, we were able to find her people. From all the evidence they gathered, they took her cousins and uncle to court. And once again, they were all stripped of their titles. Priya was reinstated as princess and was soon to be crowned queen. It was then that she asked me to stay. And because I had nothing going for me back home, I said yes. At first, a lot of the aristocrats and nobles hated me. They said I didn't deserve to be king, that I was a nobody. But when Priya told them everything I did for her, they changed their minds, and the people loved me. They called me a national hero for saving their beloved princess. They even made a movie about Priya's journey and how I rescued her. Priya and I got married, and just before her coronation, thousands of people greeted us in the streets, and Priya was so beautiful that day. She asked me what I wanted the most in the whole world. It's to say thank you for rescuing me anything in the world. I smiled. I already have what I want. Priya blushed. Although, if you wouldn't mind, there is one thing. Just one. It's done. Priya and I visited the restaurant I bought, and once we were there, I greeted my old boss. There were hundreds of people outside. Some of them were reporters curious about why a queen and her king were there. My boss's jaw dropped when he recognized me. I just smiled at him. I've never seen this place so full. Must be us coming to visit. Uh, oh, and by the way, boss, uh, uh, you're fired. My name is Tegwin Evian, and looking at me, my disheveled hair, and wrinkled uniform, you may not think I'm critical to a story such as this one. But the truth is, I am 
and always have been, stuck in the middle. And the uniform isn't exactly my fault. After all the things I have to look out for in the day, I can't spare time ironing shirts in the morning. Ever since I was a kid, I've run into trouble at every corner, finding people in distress that I somehow managed to pull from their tense state. If someone in a crowd had something wrong with them, I'd somehow manage to find them. If someone were sick or hurting, I'd always be able to get them the help they needed. No one, not even my parents, realized just what I went through every day. It got to the point where I'd come home from the elementary school run dry of notebooks and pencils after giving them away to those that needed them more. Growing up was even worse. Even when I was made fun of in middle school for the lack of supplies I had, or my odd clothing choices that I adored with my whole heart, I still managed to find the ones searching for help. With a hug and some sweet words, they'd be on their merry way, leaving me behind. Friends fell behind after getting what they needed. Crushes left me unnoticed. I was essentially a doormat for anyone and anything. And why? I'm still trying to figure that out this very day. Middle school was mostly just a learning experience for me. A place to grow and learn from my mistakes, as for everyone. But one thing did stick. A girl I met, one I had helped, Maria Hazelbrook. I remember meeting her flawlessly. My mind keeps it in crystal clear condition at the far back for whenever I want to smile upon something. I had helped her in class during a test, allowing her to cheat off of my paper while I distracted the teacher with an imaginary fight in the hallway after returning from the bathroom. Sure, I got detention for a week after that, but the look she gave me was priceless. Her smile stuck in my head. Eventually, she and I started talking, exchanging numbers, and texting each night. She was the first person that had ever been that close to me. Eventually, I graduated from middle school and we split. She was forced to go to a high school that was separate from mine. I had never felt more alone in my life as I entered the doors of the high school shivering in fear. Crowds upon crowds of friends piled together, talking loudly and laughing as they spoke of their new classes. All I could think about was what she'd say if she were there. How we would laugh and bound up the stairs recklessly, taking on our classes together. But instead, I found myself sitting in a seat with strangers surrounding me. That whole day was about to fall apart until someone new walked in. She was gorgeous. And I mean gorgeous in the way she held herself. How she seemed as though she didn't notice how amazing she looked. It seemed as if she had recently dyed her hair a deep pink, complimenting her bright blue eyes that darted to the floor in avoidance of the glances around her. She awkwardly shuffled to the back of the room before taking a seat next to me and filing through her bag. And I knew at that very moment that I had something to look forward to. No one seemed to pay attention to her, much like me, rather chatting amongst themselves. She was in her own world, opening her notebook and scribbling in the answers to the opening questions on the board for our first year English class. Simple questions. I found myself unable to focus on that entire class, my face heating as I stared down at my blank paper. The days fly by with her next to me. 
other classes were easy enough, and I had no struggle with passing. But in English, my grade was beginning to drop. I thought that maybe my dumb luck with helping others may have some sort of effect on her. But to my dismay, she was always put together. Always more than perfect. I found myself stuck between Maria and the new girl. Every time I seemed to get closer, Maria seemed to catch on, tossing in a few negative thoughts about what she could be. I never understood why she was so protective, questioning me about if I had gotten into any relationships, trying to push herself back into my life. I missed her, I did, but it was too much. The year passed and I moved into the summer. I had managed to learn the girl's name and grab her number after some close encouragement from a classmate, Aura McCarthy. Summer was going to be amazing. Maria and I had fallen out, talking less and less as I got more and more involved, not realizing that other eyes seemed to be on me as well. Aura and I only grew closer as summer proceeded at agonizingly fast speeds. We hit the movies a few times and even had a few meals out together every blue moon. But the messaging was constant. Her bubbly tone kept me awake at night, smiling like an idiot as I looked forward to sophomore year. And sophomore year hit like a truck. My classes were simple and enjoyable, but Aura and I had absolutely no classes together. Our lunch periods were even separated. It was as if the universe tore us from each other just as things started getting good. The year before, I had been given the chance to join a mythology class that was commonly for juniors and seniors. But with my promising grades and supposed bright future, I was able to save myself a spot. That was the class that was the rotten cherry on top of the garbage Sunday. Though the class itself was wonderful, the people in it were intolerable. Four girls were constantly chatting in the corner, dressed to fit their popularity statuses, which were clearly high seeing as the teacher didn't say a single thing with each insult or curse that fell from their lips. Every once in a while, I'd catch a stray gaze and dart my eyes away to keep myself from getting into deeper waters than I already was being in that class at all. That entire week, my so-called talent had come into use in many different instances. I had stopped a poor girl in the hallway from being trampled, prevented a fight from breaking out by leading one of the parties away, and even stopped a teacher from blowing up on a student. But the only thing that was important to me was getting to the end of that week, after something life-changing had been planned. In October of sophomore year, Aura had asked me to walk her home. To many, this might have seemed casual, like a friend asking another to keep them company. But with her, it was something entirely different. I was sure of it. She reached out after weeks of little contact. It had to be something, didn't it? Friday night, the rest of the week was pointless. Tests and assignments flying by my mind as I reached the front of the school in a jog my hands gripping the straps of my backpack like a lifeline before I exited the building. My eyes darted around the heads of those around me, searching for that familiar pink that made me light up to match the hue. A few agonizing minutes before I saw her bright smile and excitedly waving hands. 
Just as she had asked, we walked, exiting the school's premises and making our way to a crossroad where she paused. She had frozen in place, tilting her head in curiosity at the scene before her, of a familiar figure waving their hands, with brown waves that toppled over her shoulders to her lower back, bouncing with her movements. Maria. Rushing over, she slid an arm around mine and gripped it tightly with a smile even brighter than Aura's. All I could do was stare in awe as the two girls held either of my arms and began to converse. Maria's venomous tone highly outweighed the light-heartedness that Aura brought to the table. Each period made Maria grip my arm tighter before she turned to me and spoke. Hegwin! God, I've missed you so much! I feel like we haven't seen each other in ages, so I thought I'd rush over to say hello before you walked home. I really didn't mean to interrupt anything at all. Aura broke through the silence that I nervously had supplied with a sweet comment. Don't worry. He was just walking me home. I'm sure this isn't a problem. Once I'm there, you two can run off. But we had planned this, so it'd be really nice if... Uh, you could go? I interrupted Aura, nudging Maria with a helpless look in my eyes. This was the one chance I had with her, to walk her home and confess how I felt. Unfortunately, to no avail, seeing as Maria simply shook her head and kept us walking. Aura's arm had gradually slipped from mine, until she was walking across another crossroad ahead of us in a rush to get away from the tense situation. Without looking up at the light, a bright yellow gleam pooled on her frame, as a car approached, causing me to break from Maria and rush forward. All I could think about was getting her away from that moment, whether it be the adrenaline pulsing through me as I fought to get away from Maria, or knowing what disaster could have sparked if I hadn't jumped in the way. Risking all I had in that very moment, our bodies collided and we pummeled to the ground, twisting and turning onto the sidewalk where I laid on top of her. Dust and gravel coated my body as I coughed. She began to punch my chest from below. She was less than amused. Seriously? Was there nothing else you could have done? She yelled, staring down at her ruined clothing and the traffic that was now held up due to the fumble. The cars had luckily not crashed, rather fell into a standstill as the argument raged forth. I'm leaving! Don't try to follow me! Don't talk to me! Nothing! And you! She eyed Maria, sniffling. Hope you're happy! With that, who I thought was the love of my life stormed off into a crowded road of worried citizens that tried to aid her in her venture. I was left staring at what I had created. Maria's hand on my shoulder only made me angrier as I lightly shoved it off. Next time? When I say go, just listen to me. You ruined what I had! I turned, groaning as I made my way home, without another word. The next day felt miserable. Each hour that passed had no meaning to it. I felt as though I had lost the few friends I had by saving a life. I was so stuck in my own mind that I didn't see the chatter amongst the crowds that I passed, or the fingers being pointed as people spread around what had happened. Murmurs of a boy being yelled at after saving a poor girl's life pooled along the hallways, entering and leaving everyone's minds within minutes of the school's opening. I was a celebrity without even knowing it. While walking to my mythology class, I had even received a pat on the back or two, pushing past it as a mishap or some sort of miscommunication between friends. But the moment I stepped into the classroom, I knew something was amiss. 
everyone went silent as I made my appearance, including the usually rather talkative side of the room, who were all staring and tilting their heads in curious manners. One specifically, the girl who seemed to be the queen bee of the group, stood and approached my stiff stance, her soft blonde hair swaying to match the sickeningly sweet gaze that met my nervous one as she reached out to take my hand. I felt as though I may pass out as her fingers intertwined with mine and her eyes burned a hole into my heart. Then she opened her lips to finally speak. I heard about what you did. For that girl? Her eyes trailed around the room. I don't think I've ever known someone as bold as you are. I mean, really. You threw yourself in front of a car. She looked back to me, squeezing my hand and leaning in to whisper something in my ear. Why don't we meet after school? I stood there, frozen for another minute as she returned to her group, before shakily taking a seat and realizing what I had gotten myself into. The class ran along with eyes on me at all times, causing me to pay little to no attention as I awaited the end of the day with a tapping foot and shaking hands. Finally, the last bell rang. I wasn't sure where she expected me to find her. In fact, I wasn't even sure I wanted to see her at all. But the way she held my hand... I just couldn't bring myself to ditch her. Plus, I had somehow gained even more glances after that little expression of adoration. I once more stepped out of the school to find the blonde running up to me. Her cheeks pink and her eyes a beautiful deep blue to match her ivory skin tone. Once more, my hand was grabbed as her smile grew. Her friends had gone home by that point, leaving just her and me in a bustling crowd of students. Amongst it, Aura watching from afar as the girl leaned forward. I'm Gwen. Gwen Whittle. And I'm about to change your life. And she did. I walked her home that day. And the day after that. And the day after that. And gradually, I started getting noticed. People reached out to talk to me. And I found that part of me enjoyed it. Aura was in the past. Maria was dropped. I had a friend group in everything I wanted, including Gwen. Throughout the year, I thought she was some sort of snake, preying on those lower than her. But I saw that she reached out to those in need every day, bringing them into her friend group just as she did with me. And rumors became truth. She and I ended up getting tied up into an intimate relationship as Aura and Maria seethed behind closed doors. It was perfect. And that's how my odd luck got me a seat next to the Queen Bee. Hi everyone, I'm Aiden. I'm going through the worst time of my life. I know this sounds awful, but I spent all of my parents' money on mobile games. I really wish I hadn't. I want to tell you my story so you won't make the same mistakes as me. On my 13th birthday, my parents presented me with a huge <laughs> gift box. My dad said, Aiden, we love you so much, you really deserve this present. I opened the box right away. It was a PlayStation 4. For most kids my age, this would have been a dream gift, but I wasn't happy. I told my parents, you don't know me at all. When was the last time you saw me playing a video game? Of course, that really hurt them. Back then, I wasn't into video games at all. For me, sitting in front of a screen and hitting buttons for hours seemed really stupid. I looked down on gamers. I was angry at my parents for thinking I was one of those kids. Obviously, they didn't deserve such a reaction. My parents aren't rich, 
So I was aware that it wasn't easy for them to get me such an expensive gift, but as I said earlier, for some reason I used to hate video games back then. After a few weeks, when my dad saw that I didn't even touch that PlayStation, he sold it on eBay. I liked playing outside. My best friend Sean lived nearby. We'd always hang out together. Back then, I didn't even have a cell phone, but Sean had not only a phone, but also a tablet and a laptop. But he wasn't into video games either. We'd usually play basketball in his backyard or ride our bikes around the lake. One day, something happened. We were racing each other to the lake. The road was slippery and Sean lost control of his bike and crashed into a tree. He was taken to a hospital where the doctors found fractures in both of his legs. That meant he wouldn't be able to get out of bed for a long time. I visited Sean every day after school. We usually watched something online. Meanwhile, Sean got into Minecraft as a way to pass the time. He got hooked really quickly. He would keep playing even while I was visiting him, so I would just sit there and watch him. I'd heard of Minecraft, but I had no idea what it was all about. It was a really fun game. Just like Sean, I was quickly hooked. I would rush to his place after school. And we'd played Minecraft together for hours. I really wanted to play at home as well, but the only electronic device I owned was a laptop I got from my cousin when he went away to college and it was too old for Minecraft. I had to find another solution fast. My dad is an ambulance driver and my mom is a nurse in the emergency room. Their jobs required both of them to work several night shifts each week. Because they were so tired from working all night, they spent almost all day sleeping. One morning, I ran into my mom as I was leaving for school. She was coming home from her shift. I'm so exhausted, I need to get some sleep, she said, and gave me a kiss. I went to Sean's after school. We played Minecraft for hours, as usual. Then I came home. My mom was still asleep. I realized that I could play Minecraft on her phone. I couldn't see her phone lying around, so I went into her bedroom. My mom is a deep sleeper. She didn't hear me come in. I took her phone and went back to my room. I unlocked her phone because I knew her code and downloaded the trial version of Minecraft. I played all night. I was in such a good mood, I decided I would play whenever my mom was asleep. But the trial version was only good for a month. What would happen then? I couldn't ask my parents to buy me the game after the way I reacted when they bought me the PlayStation. For days after my birthday, I would tease them, saying, what will you get me next year, an Xbox or a Nintendo? Now there was no way I could ask them to buy me Minecraft. I checked the Play Store to see how much it cost. It wasn't that expensive. I could hit buy and download it just like that. I could barely stop myself. I was wondering if my mom was checking all the transactions on her credit card statement. It wouldn't be a big purchase. She might not even notice it. I decided to go for it. I pressed buy. However, I got an alert on the phone saying, confirm fingerprint to continue. No way. It turned out I needed my mom's fingerprint to complete the payment process, and only my mom could do that. I was devastated that I couldn't buy the game, but that was it. I had to go back to playing Minecraft. At least, I could keep playing the trial version for a month. Then, unfortunately, I had a terrible idea. I could just use my mom's finger while she was sleeping. I was sure she wouldn't even notice and sleep through it. 
Once my grandmother called my mom while she was sleeping after working the night shift, she didn't hear her phone even though it was right next to her. Finally, I went into the bedroom and answered it myself. You see, when my mom works the night shift, she goes into this really deep sleep the next day, and I was going to take advantage of that. I went into the bedroom. Mom was sleeping like a baby. I took her finger very carefully and pressed it against the phone. Bingo! The purchase went through. My mom was still sleeping. That day, I was so proud of myself for thinking of this, but I really regret it now. Sean had soon recovered from his accident, but we weren't going outside anymore because we were both addicted to games. All we did was play. Sean's family was well off, so he didn't have the same problems with money. He could buy any game he wanted. He could also do as many in-game purchases as he liked. I, on the other hand, was only able to play the free games. One night, I was playing Clash of Clans on my mom's phone. I was really annoyed. I couldn't get to the same level as Sean because I couldn't spend money. I decided to do the same thing I did for Minecraft. My mom had worked the night before, so she was passed out. I could pull off the same trick again. And I did. I went into her bedroom. I took my mom's finger gently and pressed it against the phone, just like the last time the payment went through. Clash of Clans cost quite a bit more than Minecraft. But still, my mom didn't say anything about it. Apparently, she wasn't checking her credit card transactions. I was relieved when I realized I wasn't going to get caught. There was another game I was curious about. It was time to buy that one. Do I need to spell it out? I used the same method, and it was as easy as pie. For a while, I didn't buy anything else, but I couldn't stop myself for long. It was as if I had the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. The devil kept saying, It's so easy. You can spend as much money on games as you want. Go ahead, do it. Pushing me to do it again. The angel was saying, If you get caught, your family would be so upset. This is wrong. Don't waste money on games. As you might have guessed, I listened to the devil. That night, I bought four more games. I was now just like Sean. I could spend as much money as I wanted. I was feeling so great about myself. My mom doesn't know much about technology, but I still wanted to be careful. I put all the games I downloaded on her phone into a folder. Then, using an app, I set a password to protect the folder, so my mom would never be able to see any games on her phone. From then on, I completely lost control. I was looking forward to my mom's night shifts. I was buying 20 different games while she was asleep. I was spending hundreds of dollars each time, and my poor mom had no idea. I bought a ton of games over several months. Because of my parents' night shifts, we almost never ate dinner together. One night, all three of us were at the table. My mom looked really happy. She said, Aiden, we have important news for you. Your dad and I quit our jobs at the hospital today. We're planning to start a retirement home. We are going to have a family business. I was so surprised. My dad smiled and said, This was our biggest dream. We've been saving for this for years and we've finally found the courage to go through with it. I was getting really excited too. I said, This is great news and hugged them both. But the next day when I came home, my mom was crying. I said, Mom, what's wrong? She didn't answer. My dad was so angry with me. You destroyed us. How could you do something so irresponsible? I'm going to disown you. You cannot be my son. You're not my son, he yelled. I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, Mom, what's going on? My mom explained, We went to the bank today. We wanted to get some money to incorporate our business. But you spent all the money we've saved on games. Because it was a debit card, I wasn't receiving any statements from the bank. We were shocked when the bank clerk said, I had only $37 in my account. I couldn't believe it. I said, Mom, I couldn't have spent all of the money. 
What's a debit card? How is it different from a credit card? Mom said, unlike a credit card, a debit card has no spending limit. The debit card that was linked to the Play Store was directly connected to my bank account. All of our money was in that account. You spent it all. We just quit our jobs. What are we going to do now? And started crying again. Even though this sounds incredible, this is exactly what happened. I spent all the money my family has worked for years to save on mobile games. My parents have refused to talk to me since that day. Even if they're able to forgive me one day, I know I will always feel guilty. I still can't believe I was able to do something so terrible. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.